Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answer to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib. And neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we move on, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. As a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. Now, I'm in a slightly enviable position here in that because I was the one having the hot take, a lot of what I said is protected by hot take privilege. It is true. Which is a, a concept I've just invented, but we have an overall overall agreement that you can't just give someone tinfoil for a hot take, because that's sort of the point of hot takes. It's true, and yet we still discussed giving it to you for completely missing the point of your own hot take. Yeah, that came close. <laughs> the fact that I just did an investor presentation for Games Workshop for half an hour, rather than talking about what I said I was talking I maintain they're connected, but um, I yes... Uh, uh, maybe in some ways. I, I just thought it was quite funny. I, I sort of settled in for listening to 30 minutes of your bullshit. I just didn't expect it to be 30 minutes of some sort of business presentation about how great <laughs> Games Workshop is. I mean, it was, it's, it's it's true and great, but it's not what I was there for, you know? <laughs> yes, uh, you nearly got it for suggesting that you yourself are somehow prescient and capable of... Because you're capable of seeing every possible eventuality because you're so clever you just assume that everyone else is and i threw up in my mouth every time you said something like that <laughs> and yet well i put my foot down you see because because i can't i can't bear giving tinfoil to objective truths literally yes, is, that's what it comes down to this is this is this is where we're at people we're look we're don't, living don't, in don't, a world of alternative facts don't burst this bubble you know who knows uh, what the consequences of that could be. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with it. Um, but no, we, we eventually did give it to you. Yes. And I think rightly so, because you very nearly suggested that the McGrib could be a non-lucrative item on the McDonald's menu. Yes, I did. I have to confess, this was probably because I don't know anything about McDonald's, having not eaten there for, I think, a decade. No, that's not true. I had some drunken McDonald's a few years ago. But other than that, I haven't <laughs> eaten there for a decade. And I don't think I've ever overlapped with the McRib in my McDonald's consumption. So all I know about it is, is, is that it's this thing that occupies the zeitgeist of conversation about McDonald's. And I just assume that it's a massive loss leader and terrible, but apparently not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if people will share my views on this, but it is... It's just one of those iconic things that when it's there, you just you're just compelled to get it. I don't even actually know if it's good. Much or like not. Warhammer models, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's just like, oh yeah, you must you must go and get this. So yes, um, apparently more than once during my hot take did I utter the unutterable, uh, and some of it wasn't protected speech. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, I found I found the few loopholes. I think that just, that just fell outside the remit of a of a hot take. Um, um, yes, it was it was quite quite an episode. I recommend everyone go back and and listen to it if you haven't already. Even if you know nothing about uh, Games Workshop or Warhammer Fantasy, you might learn something about business. Um, absolutely. Um, or I mean, I said a lot of numbers. I think that's business. 
moving oh on. i think so i think so yes yes um i mean I, I thoroughly recommend everyone go back and listen to all the hot takes that we've done because they are excellent even if i say so myself i think they're some of our best content to be honest with you i i think that Again, not to toot my own horn, I do think that the first hot take we ever had, the the Aragorn one, is one of our best ever episodes because the idea was new and fresh. (laughs) It's so batshit insane from the start that it's just really good fun. I went back and listened to it a couple of days ago. It's just really good fun to listen to. It is. It's it's an excellent episode, yeah. And if you ever want to hear, you know, an actual person being enthralled by a vampire, then by all means, go and listen to Lara Wraith. Um, yeah, that one's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, that it's also weird. good. Thanks. It's very good and topical, topical for today's episode. Um, it is actually, yeah. But before we get to that, um, what what's happened in the ether of feedback? What's happened in the ether of feedback? Well, I not, that's not a sentence, is it? Have we had any feedback? Oh, there. I'll do your. I'll do your English for you. Well, I am foreign, so it's only <laughs> fair, really. Have we had any feedback? I had a small amount of feedback on the hot take, in fact, uh, from friend of the show Ellie. So she just wanted to make it clear that she had absolutely no idea uh, anything about the Warcraft universe, uh, but she decided that she had strong feelings on the matter. They just happened to be strongly in agreement with whoever was talking at the time. After carefully explaining to her that the Warcraft and Warhammer universes are distinct. <laughs> I was about to say, what? <laughs> <laughs> which, which was a period of my life that neither of us are going to get back. Uh, yeah, she said she said she enjoyed it, despite not knowing anything about it, which was, which was nice to hear. That is very nice to hear. I, I, I suspect she enjoyed it because she knew nothing about it, and all, you know, one true Warhammer fans are crying into their beds after being presented with objective truth like you said previously <laughs> very true and nice to get some praise from Ellie that isn't for um, a guest of ours it's refreshing um, yeah, yeah. I also got some feedback from another friend of the show Justine um, and she and this breaks my heart um, she agreed with you 100% in that for, the force is just space magic yes Justine I mean, it's just wrong. And the thing is, she didn't help herself by just by just keeping on talking. She then went on to say that midichlorians are just space fairies. Um, okay, Justine. Yeah. And then made it even worse by suggesting that lightsabers are just space wands. Uh, oh, Justine. <laughs> we started so high. Started so well, yeah. <laughs> now we find ourselves once more in the muck. I'm Once taking more I'm, the mug. I'm having I'm having that though. The force is just space magic. It is, it is, and we'll have to do an episode on exactly why it's space magic. Well, clearly uh, it's space magic because the space fairies drive it somehow. Using the space ones. God using almighty. the space ones. The space fairies is a funny one though. Midi chlorians. Am I right in saying that the only person who utters the word I oh, know there are two people who utter the word midi chlorians, I think. Qui-Gon Jinn and Anakin Skywalker. Is that right? Does Anakin mention it? What he think he says, what are midichlorians? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. D- directly after Qui-Gon yeah, says, yeah. oh, you've got what midichlorians are... or some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. What, what are midichlorians? So my, I have a, a, a little fan theory that Qui-Gon Jinn 
is the only person in the Star Wars galaxy who believes in midichlorians. And it's, he's just like, he's a completely normal, he's like a flat earther, right? That you don't realize is a flat earther because he's completely normal. Quite like, <laughs> you know, you'll go for a beer with him, whatever. He's completely normal. And then you mention that you're going on a plane to South America. And he says, well, obviously, no, you're not. I'm sorry. He says, well, because South America doesn't exist, because the Earth is flat. So South America would fall off because it's on the wrong side of the Earth. And you're just completely taken aback by this otherwise normal man who just turns out to have a single insane belief. This is my Qui-Gon Jinn theory. You know what? I kind of like it. <laughs> and also, it gets rid of midichlorians. I kind of like it. So, Because he, he mentions midichlorians, like they're off the charts, and he says that to Obi-Wan, right? Yes, yes, he does. So, so do we think that Obi Wan's just listening to that, going, "What the fuck?" Is I, either <laughs> Obi, either Obi Wan's listening to it and going, "Oh, he's off on one again," or, and I, I think I like this theory better, is that Qui Gon has just taught Obi Wan wrong about midichlorians, and when they're handing out Padawan learners at the um, Jedi Temple when Obi Wan's a Jedi Knight, and he says to Windu or Yoda. Oh, I can't wait to explain the force, you know, talk about the symbiotic relationship that we have with the midichlorians. And Yoda's just sitting there going, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were done with this shit ball. Excellent. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's just just an amusing picture in my head. No, I actually, I actually really like that. That Qui-Gon just, just, you know, an excellent guy all around and just has this one bizarre flaw. Mm. You could take it a step further and suggest that this has all come because obviously Qui-Gon Jinn was Count Dooku's apprentice. So it could just be a really, really long con by the Sith to undermine the Jedi by getting them to believe in fake science. <laughs> actually... that, that meeting would have been great. What you think Sidious and Dooku just said that game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we can stick it to the Jedi. We'll just talk about these midi-chlorians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dooku turns up with this madcap, sort of wily coyote-esque plan. And Sidious is sitting there going, I mean, it doesn't cost us anything, so <laughs> we might as well try it's it. It's probably just there, like, this is a stupid idea, Dooku. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and lo and behold, it fucking works on Qui-Gon. And Yoda all the times is sat there going, oh, come on, man. And then ultimately, the joke is on all of them because Qui-Gon clearly uses his connection with the midichlorians to to, communicate from from the dead. That would be so good. Qui-Gon's voice is just all of the midichlorians singing at the same (laughs) time. (laughs) And everyone has to fucking eat their words. (laughs) Gosh. What a world we've built for ourselves. Well, I, I, I really like that you have just, and, and you've heard it here for, first, folks, you have just successfully uncanonized midichlorians. Oh, yes. Um, and I'm, actually pretty much rescued uh, the Phantom Menace. I think, I've, I think I have. I think that I still have to deal with Jar Jar. You have to deal with Jar Jar, yeah, but, you know, the quick blast around to the face. <laughs> and that's, uh, I think easy. if you get rid of midichlorians, Jar Jar, like... If Jar Jar is the only bad thing about that film, it's okay. It's just that there's a couple of yeah. Anyway, we've just, we've done Star Wars today. <laughs> it's so tempting. We to have keep going. indeed, and we promised that we would get back to our our roots. Weirdly, we did. Yeah, 
Dresden Files. This is this is where it all began, folks. This is where it all began, exactly. The Dresden Files, and boy, we've had some is, great topics, some great discussions. I think this is where the even the idea for expertise is overrated came from. It very much did, yes, because we kept arguing over Discord. We did <laughs> about the most minute details of the Dresden Files, amongst other things, but Dresden Files came up a lot. And believe me, the minutia of the Dresden Files is where we're going to spend a lot of this episode, I fear. See, I bet that you're regretting that all this, you know, however long ago it was now that you you told me to go and read the Dresden Files because they're very good. Oh God, I did, didn't I? That was a mistake. That was a mistake. Think about how many peaceful evenings I would have had rather than doing (laughs) this if we'd never had that conversation. I know. So it's really all your fault. Um, that's really upsetting because it just is. Anyway, <laughs> well, we still um, blame Lionheart, obviously, but obviously, you know, yeah, the, then I blame you. Yeah, uh, no, that's fair. Lionheart, then me. I'll take that. I shall, of course, never blame myself. No, blameless in all of this, just a victim, yeah, exactly. really. I mean, and, and I, of course, saw it coming. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the Dresden Files, famously a series about a um, wizard. Yes, Dresden. Urban fantasy. Uh, urban fantasy. Um, and we are not going to talk about wizards. Well, I'm sure we'll we will. probably end up talking about wizards. We'll probably wizards. end up talking about wizards. But we're talking about the vampires in the Dresden Files. Yes, yes we are. Um, so, across the 16 book series of the Dresden Files, we encounter... On, wait, we... wait, 16? Is that right? I feel like that's right. So there's still nine left? Uh, it might be 17 with Battleground. I'm not sure. He's, he's aiming for 25, right? Including the three at the end, yeah. I think wow, that's okay, right. that's still a lot a lot left. My goodness, how, how much how much worse can shit get in Chicago? Um, anyways. <laughs> I, I'm, I might be wrong. It might be close to 18, but I, I think... No, yeah, that actually sounds about right, yeah. I think 16 or 17 feels right. Anyway... Um, we encounter three, I guess there's going to be how you categorize, three types of vampire. And we hear mention of a, a fourth. So the three types of vampire are designated by colors. Um, hmm. There are the black, red, and white courts of the vampires. Now, I think that the idea of separate courts of vampires is appears later in the books than one might otherwise think. Certainly it's not in the first book in which you meet vampires. I don't think. Because you meet a vampire, the first vampire, in Stormfront, which is the very, very first book. And there's no indication there that there are other types, I don't think. No, I agree with you. Bianca, the vampire in question, just, is just, just a vampire. She's yeah. just a vampire, but th- that could also be Harry, Harry Dresden, the protagonist's naivete working there, because it. I don't quite. Yeah, because he's he's not a full member of the White Council at that point, so it's entirely possible that he just doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, mean, uh, I suppose he, he sort of knew enough about. Certainly, Bianca's kind of vampire, or maybe mm-hmm. he just went with pop culture and it happened to work for it. Well, he was he was expecting Bianca's type of vampire, the whole skin suit creature thing. 
I think. He doesn't, I mean, he seems revolted by it, but not shocked. Uh, but I guess the question is, we're already getting into way too deep territory here, I think, but the question is, is it because he br- he brings sunlight essentially, right? As, as one of yes, his defensive mechanisms. So, so is he already assuming that she's not white court, or does he not know about the white court at that point? I'm not sure, and I think the answer is that the white court didn't exist at that point. Oh no, I don't buy that. No, I mean in Jim's head. I mean. In Jim's head. Oh yes. No, I, I mean, do buy obviously that. Obviously, yes. the white court existed <laughs> because Papa Wraith is like a thousand <laughs> years your, old. Your, your timeline is very off. Um, no, in Jim's head for sure, but Jim's head is a scary place. Mm. Anyway, Jim, Jim Butcher being the author, we should yes. stress. I guess, I guess, what we should do then, because we've we've already started describing them, is talk about the differences between the three types of vampire. I guess because mm. the idea here is that by the end of this episode, we want to have worked out what the worst kind of vampire is so is that as in the most dangerous the nastiest the least good for mankind i think i i yeah i guess we can break down to categories so so the worst for mankind as a whole perhaps Mm -hmm. or or the biggest threat in the series perhaps is, is not a bad way of putting it the biggest threat in the series okay yeah so that probably rules out one type already um And I guess also, which one would you least like to meet? Be that in a a dark alley or just meet and then, you know, have to spend an amount of time with. (laughs) Right. Okay. So on a a species-wide level and then on the individual level. Yeah. As in which which kind of vampire would scare you the most, should you go into one? Yes. Okay. I see. Um, Cool. So... Starting, I guess, with the vampires that we probably see the most of across the series. That's the white court, I'm going to suggest. I I think so. These Although are... it takes us a while to... Mm. You meet the first va- white court vampire in... The second book? Third right? book. Third book. Third book, yes. I can never remember the names. That's... Grave Peril? Grave Peril, yeah. Grave Peril, yeah. Um, that's Thomas. Thomas Wraith. Thomas um, Wraith, yeah. And the point, the point about the White Court is that they are consistently referred to as the, quote, most human of the vampire courts. Um, or their members are the most human of, the, of, of vampires. And they feed on psychic energy directly, so they don't feed on blood. As the other two types do, and they can be broadly split into three within the white court. They can be broadly split into three different types. So you have the wraiths, so Thomas Wraith, Lara Wraith of Hot Take fame, um, <laughs> who are essentially very similar to succubi and incubi. So they mm. are essentially they feed on lust. Um, you have the Scarvis who feed on despair, I think. And you have the Malvora who feed on fear. I think that's the right way around. Yeah. That's the right way around, isn't it? Yes. 
Yeah, and so that that's what they do. They engender these emotions in their prey and then feed off those emotions and at the same time extract some of their victims' life force. And that's how they keep going. Contrast with... What, well, do you want to do the Red Court? Yeah, I mean, the Red Court are arguably in between the white and, and, and black in terms of their humanity in in so far that they can appear human uh, as a matter of fact they're always described as, as appearing as very you know beautiful mm-hmm. and, and and glamorous humans um but that is a complete mask it's it's a flesh mask um underneath their true form is, is this sort of ugly disgusting revolting monster uh, described kind of bat-like, I think. Um, certainly in terms yes. of the, sort of the black leathery skin and, and and that sort of imagery that you you might associate with you know vampire so films of old. I've I've always a little bit pictured them as a, this is this is not right. This is actually how I picture them, but the closest I can get to is like a xenomorph. A xenomorph. So from Alien, the aliens from Alien. Not with like the head shape or yeah, anything no, like that, 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 but the, the sort of scuttling way that they're described as moving. No, I kind of see that. I actually, I agree with you there. But I think for me, in my head, they they look a bit like gargoyles. That, with, yes, with the, that's with very the sort good. of alien texture. That's good. I like that. Yeah, that's. But yeah, it's they're they're monstrous on the inside most of the time, and sometimes on the outside too. Yeah, I mean they. Yeah, they, they they keep appearances quite well, um, but they importantly can't go out into the sun. No, which, which is, the white court can exactly. It's already a major difference between between red and white, uh, and they, and they seem to be more susceptible to all the sort of classical vampire tropes yes. that you might have come across. But they're still very politically active, much like the white court pre um, <laughs> pre Chichenitsa, But we'll get to that. Uh, so yeah, I think I think they're the intermediate court. I I, I would describe them as uh, very much based in South America. Lots of sort of Aztec Mayan influences. Those, those are very, yes. two different, very different uh, populations. And uh, you know, you have to forgive me for always mixing the two up. I but think no, you, they, have, they have very <laughs> South and Central American vibes to them. Certainly. Yes, yeah, all that sort of ritualistic uh, mm-hmm. behavior, and a lot of their magic derives from that. Uh, they've even got jaguar warriors. I think is essentially what they have, which is they quite do. cool. Um, so yeah, that's the red court for you. And then finally, on page we have uh, the black court. Now these are what I sort of think of as pro- proper Dracula esque, Bram Stoker esque vampires. So they appear corpse like. They're fast. They're strong. They have they in no way can pass for human, um, like the red or the white courts can. They're they're stronger than the red or white court vampires as well, by all accounts. Um, but they're the most susceptible to traditional, quite traditional, uh, pop culture ideas of what can defeat a vampire. So, you know, actually weak to the cross holy water, sunlight, garlic, things like that. Things that a white core vampire just doesn't care about. I mean, we see ch- we see Thomas Wraith enter a church on numerous occasions, which would be 
just about impossible for a red court vampire and would cause a black court vampire to combust instantly sort of thing. So they're the furthest away from their own humanity, I think, probably. Uh, but at the same time, they get from that a sort of commensurate uptick in speed, strength, etc. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's one thing we haven't really talked about. It, I guess, in terms of sheer raw power, it it is black court, red court, white court in, in sort of descending order. J- just about, but the white court are weird. I think the white court are very weird. That is true. I, they're all yeah. I sort of went into power because there's not much else to say about the black court other than that, like people. We know that it's mentioned in the text, for example, that Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula exists and is one of the elders of the Black Court. So, you know, the if you're trying to picture a Black Court vampire, picture like a rotted Christopher Lee, basically. And I think yeah, that's that's exactly. sort of what you're after. So you mentioned that you say they cannot appear in any way human. I'm not necessarily convinced that that's true. Well, I think they it, rot. I think that's part of the problem. They start rotting almost instantly. They, they they do, yes, but they are also the most powerful mages of all the vampire courts, and they're very good at illusion. They are, so they might be able to glamour themselves. And what, I don't know whether someone like Dracula, for example, can appear like that. Because obviously Stoker's Dracula, and Stoker is a person who existed in... The Dresden Files. In the Dresden and, Files, yeah. and, and And wrote Dracula as a manual on how to kill black court vampires. Obviously, Stoker's yeah, Dracula clever, uh, does appear as an incredibly handsome man. So perhaps you're right. Perhaps the, the, the really old ones do have some level of control over their yeah. appearance. But I mean, ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to fit their style, because I, I no, don't think they play in that same political arena that the red not, court and white court um, They're not... Um, they're not the um, romanticized vampires that Stoker wrote about, you know. No, definitely not. Victorian... No, there's, there's maybe a few reasons for that, but I guess the first time we meet any Black Court vampire, which is also the one that features most often mm-hmm. in Mavra, um, she she just completely hides herself from view to the point where Harry's like super impressed <laughs> uh, and, and also instantly sort of terrified of of her magical ability. Yes. There is a there is a fourth court mentioned as well before we go move on, uh, but we don't know anything about them. So this is the Jade Court from uh, I mm. think Southeast Asia. Yes, uh, and all we know about them is that uh, Shiro, who is a man from Okinawa, who was a essentially crusading knight of God, because the Dresden Files is excellent, um, and he fought them. He had he has in his had in his life fought the the Jade Court, but even he said they're sort of very secretive and don't operate outside Southeast Asia. It's I think I hope that they appear on page at some point because they sound interesting and it would be good to see another way of doing vampires. Uh, but I, I don't hold out much hope. Well, you've already got food dogs. Do already uh, not, have food dogs, that's true. I'm going to go out there and say I'm not necessarily sure I like the definition Knight of God. Knight of the Almighty. Well, Knight, Knight of the Cross, I think, very specifically, because you know the thing that they actually are is people who wield swords with nails in the hilts. Whatever. 
Um, no, but this brings me on to a, a, a point because you mentioned that, for example, like that you can you can fend off the black court using a cross. Yes, and, no, and, and you're, again, you're right. There is a relevant point there. You're absolutely yeah, right. and I, and I think that that you know, if if I were to hold up a cross to black court vampire, I think it would do very much nothing. <laughs> um, whereas if Michael Carpenter does it, yes, absolutely, because he you know. But what the cross actually is, if you believe in it, is is faith. And we're always told in the Dresden Files, faith is this really immensely powerful well of magic mm-hmm. that, that's just perhaps a little more subtle than, you know, throwing raw kinetic energy around, as, as you know, Jim Butcher likes to write over and over and over. Um, so, so, so I think faith is is something that really wards off black core vampires. You know, and, and you're absolutely right, they can't enter churches for that specific reason, because they're place is so warded in faith that you just yes. they just can't even comprehend going in no you make you make you make a good point because the red court for example we see red court vampires held at bay by harry's harry dresden's symbol of faith yes which pentacle. is a pentacle exactly um but and he says you know a cross would do nothing for him but a pentacle is his expression of faith. It's his fervent belief in what keeps the world spinning. Uh, so I get. I guess a, a fun question is, what would be your equivalent? What's your pentacle? That's an excellent. That's a, it's very. It's a very deep question. Well, come, well, let's come back. Let's come back to it. Let's answer them. At the, answer that at the end of the uh, end of the episode. I'm going to, have to think about that. Now. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to say, I, asked that, I know you're going to throw it back at me, and I don't have an answer yet. Um, <laughs> We clearly believe in nothing, yeah. nothing but ourselves and our own egos. Just Twitter. <laughs> We're famously bad at that, though. We are famously um, bad at that. No, okay, so, so that, I guess, sets the scene, and, and yes. uh, you're quite right. We, I don't think we can include the Jake Court in our analysis, because they're just so... We don't have enough data. So mysterious. Um, yeah, but that also brings an interesting... There's an interesting point there, because the Black Court... Not playing at full strength, one might say. No, no. Um, and yet, and still fucking scary. <laughs> so I think I think this comes back to your: who would you least like to meet individually? It's got to be black court, it's right? Almost certainly. I, I think you could make a small case for white court vampires because they're really, really terrifying. But I think it just has to be black court because the sort of they're the way they're described is so horrific. Not just because they're rotting bodies, but I'm fairly sure at some point Mavra is described as being unnaturally still. So she doesn't twitch, she doesn't blink, she doesn't breathe, obviously. But like, they're not even sort of like properly undead. it's, It's weird. They're almost described as machines rather than anything else. Which is which is a sort of a trait that you see in the White Court, right? I mean, uh, you often see Thomas being described as you know he went so still, yeah, like a statue that you know nothing moved because he's like full predator. Yeah, and if the Black Court can do that as well, mm-hmm. you know, blink and you miss them, and then you are just dead. Yes, absolutely. Um, or worse, Renfield. Or worse, Renfield. But also, I think we get told that the Black Court is the one that multiplies most quickly. Well, yeah, because I guess it's easy, right? Because they literally just need to kill I think people, so. and then think, and then they deal with it after the fact. <laughs> I think so. They just kill their victims, and then their victims return as black court vampires. 
yeah, I mean, we see that presumably with uh, Yoshimo and uh, Wild Bill. Mm. And we do see it in one of the short stories as well. I, I can't remember which one, but Harry is at a... Like a masquerade... Uh, Harry is at a vampire LARP event in a shopping mall in Chicago at which Black Court, a Black Court vampire turns up because oh, obviously... Yes. Uh, and I think you see there the black court vampire who turns up is incredibly young by vampire terms, you know, uh, a few years old, a few years vampired, and is able to turn the people that she kills basically instantly. Yeah, that's when everyone's dressed up as a vampire. Everyone's like dressed Halloween, up as a vampire for her, I think Halloween. Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite a neat story. It's very funny. Um, uh, no, the, the the Black Court. This is why it's so crazy, right? They're so damn scary, and you really have to wonder how how it is that they are in in decline. I mean, they were essentially they were set as, as sort of effectively wiped out, um, but it's n- at, at least to my knowledge never really made clear how that happened. Stoker's book it is it. It's not made clear, but the implication is that the book drank because, for example. At the party in Grave Peril, Susan knows what to bring to protect herself from vampires. Yes. That's why. So, yes, meeting a black court vampire on a street corner, terrifying. But if you happen to be wearing a cross and are religious, you're fine. If you happen to have some garlic on you because you've been to the shops and you just chuck it at them. But... In the words of Kincaid, it is still just a paintball gun that shoots holy water. You know, um, and that's the book. Yeah, but it where, fucks where up King... those. Well, no, but because they, they only just barely kill the youngest Blackcourt vampire there, and that's after the whole place is more or less torched and blown to pieces. Doesn't the right? paintball gun rip one apart? It, no, it rips like their flesh off, but it doesn't kill them. And, and ultimately, they, they, they threw everything, including the kitchen sink, full of holy water, probably, at Mavra, and she just walks away. <laughs> As yeah. a matter of fact, she, she, she disappears, you know, to the point where she almost she fakes her death and is completely fine. Yeah, no, that's true. So they are still incredibly hard to kill. I think, I think they are on an individual level, but they're... You're, we're led to believe that the... That Stoker's book, combined with just vampires joining the zeitgeist, is such that they cannot operate openly, or not mm. openly, but you know what I mean, in the same way that they could before the book was published. Yeah, I, that, I think that's. I think that's right. I think that's right. You you almost have to wonder as well if that then means that that explains why the red and white courts kind of conduct their business the way they do right hide in plain sight essentially well i think we're told that the white court were the ones behind dracula being published <laughs> that does sound like them yeah <laughs> which is just excellent but yeah so that maybe they're they're worth moving on to now the white court so Theoretically, individually, the le- the least terrifying, um, although capable of some pretty prodigious feats when the 
the mood takes them. I mean, Tom, Thomas out wrestles a black court vampire, but he he does so by effectively draining all of his energy reserves. Mm, yeah, in a manner not unlike a ferro chemist from Mistborn, but that's a whole other. <laughs> oh no! Next, you're going to say Jim Butcher is just Brian Sanderson, uh, Brandon Sanderson. And no, because Jim Butcher's books are not 400,000 words long. That's <laughs> true, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so, so they're, they're, they're less consistently powerful than the Black Court in terms of raw physical ability, but they are capable of that level of strength if they need to, if they're well-fed, basically. Yeah, th- their feeding is directly... It's, it's quite clearly their fuel, right, to do things. Yes, in a way that with the black court, it's it's really unclear because they seem to essentially be dormant for hundreds of years and still not have lost it's, any power. It's really unclear why the black court feed. I assume they need to. Maybe it's just because they want to. You but know, it could just really be sinister. that they want to. Which is no, but but the white court. You're right. They're they're um, a bit different. So so you think you'd be. Arguably scared of meeting a white court. I'm terrified of meeting a white court vampire. Well, I mean, obviously with all three, but as in, so so you said white court over red court, shall I say, essentially? Well, the the thing is, I think the concern I have, I have multiple serious issues with the white court, um, but the overarching one is the, I guess it's a little bit to a lesser extent true true of all all of them, but the way that they are able to co-opt your own brain is to my mind just really terrifying the the ability to put things in your head to make you behave in the correct way for them to feed off you is pretty like to, to my mind is pretty scary yes okay it's not they rip you apart limb by limb, and then you come back as a black court vampire, right? Which, it's, for the record, they, I mean, they could rip you limb from limb quite easily. <laughs> I mean, they could, absolutely. But it's... I don't know. I I, I think I, I you have to put hand on heart and say, yes, no, obviously the most... The scariest is the black court. In, on an individual level, it just is. Um, but no, the, but I get what, I get what you're saying. The white court makes me so uncomfortable uh, in a way yeah. that the black court don't. Because yeah. they're so object. This is the the other thing, and this is a, a, a more of a narrative problem. The Black Court are all objectively evil, hands down. End of story. By any and yes, you can have an argument about human morality versus non-human morality, but by any standard of human morality, the Black Court are evil. Yes, I mean, yes. <laughs> the complicating factor is that the White Court don't immediately and obviously appear as evil. They're consistent, as I said, they're consistently referred to as the most human of the vampires. I'm glad some of my hot takes sank in, at least. But they're not human. Or part of them isn't. And this is the complicating thing. They're fighting this constant battle with their their darker nature. And some of them don't fight that battle. Someone like Madeline Wraith, for example, doesn't fight that battle. She gives in to her her darker nature entirely. Yeah, it's interesting. And there's a real contrast well actually it's not it's a similarity between them right they sort of battle their inner demon and and Mm. i guess the difference is that the demon is inherently evil i don't think anyone's going to deny that um 
But it's, it's similar. A white quartz hunger, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but similarly, there's an argument to be made that, that wizards are therefore equally not quite human because they have to contend with this magical ability, which we do often see turns wizards bad. That's an interesting point. Yeah, right. We and, know and that you, you're right. We know that black magic is a corruptive influence. Yeah. And 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 that just comes as as part of the package with magic, right? It's just with 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 wizard it happens at a younger age and they're actively discouraged from going down that route, which I think mm-hmm. you know compared to a white court vampire where I think by and large they'll say no no, no give in. You'll Do be amazing. That. Yeah. So so there's differences there, but I think you're right. It's it's not as black and white uh with the white court as it is with the black court, ironically. No. It's not. Um, um, and and I I know exactly what you mean when you say that you are. They make you feel uncomfortable. I'd be terrified of meeting them, yes, because you, you just don't know. You just don't know, and that and that's that's why I think, for me, the White Court are the single greatest threat to humanity as a whole. I think that's probably true. I think. The way, the way I think of it is, if you meet, if you if you're going into a bar to meet any one of the someone from each of the courts, basically, black court vampire, your dad, red court vampire, which we need, I guess we need to come on to, you're probably dead. I'm gonna I'm gonna already say I think easiest to kill, actually the, the shittest of the three. I'm just gonna come out. And red say court it. probably. <laughs> red um, court, yeah. I mean, I'm dead. Uh... Finally, Red Court Vampire is probably dead a few hours later, but that's an entirely different story. Uh, White Court Vampire, though, you could meet Lara and have a nice, like, she could not be hungry. So you just have a drink, have an interesting conversation, and then go your separate ways. You could meet Madeline. Yeah. That's and, the, and, yeah. yeah. And it's the perfect example of how there's shades of, of good and evil within all of them individually, right? Yes, I think we don't see those shades in the red or or black courts. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's it. I, I guess you 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 the red or black courts don't appear to have a Thomas, really. Yeah, never mind. Like they don't. Sorry, they don't appear to have a Lara. Never mind a Thomas. Yeah, um, I think I think that's a fair way of saying because because even if even if you met a Lara and she was she was hungry. It's, I don't think it's necessarily guaranteed that you end up dead. You probably, yeah, you probably walk away from that. As a matter of fact, I think they actively encourage that because it's mm. just easier to keep people on hand. I mean, being enthralled is a whole separate. Issue. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> separate issue. But, but you may just have an encounter and survive it. I mean, certainly with Thomas, you know, he, he actively tries to to do that, mm-hmm. not kill people. Uh, in fact, not not drain them. Basically, not, not feed off them. Yeah, yeah. just have like tiny nibbles. <laughs> Yes, but no, you're right. I think I think the their their humanity is what makes them more of a society sized threat than an individual sized threat. I mean, we're told that they have infiltrated government both on a local and national level. Mm. Lara apparently owns politicians in Washington. Yeah, uh, we also know that they're in the entertainment industry, and so. 
sh shaping the human subconscious of what beauty looks like, for example, which is a such a long-term view of how to control society. It's terrifying. It is. And not to mention the fact that she, she's actually actively seeking diplomacy with the likes of the Winter Courts. Yes, that's the other thing. She's she's building alliances across the supernatural community. There's far too many courts in all this, you know. I <laughs> just realised. Yeah, <laughs> it stopped being a word. Um, but no, especially on the Lara Wraith, I think they've, they've made great inroads into just dominating the world. Well, and as I say the world, I guess it, we perhaps have to say certainly North America and probably Europe. Yeah, I think the West. Yeah, because to be fair to the Red courts they do also have lots of influence certainly in south america i mean pretty much it almost sounds like the governments are just pretty much just run or at least formed by the red court i i, I think it is different though i think the white court is exercising an awful lot of soft power yeah the red whereas the red court subtle. yeah the red court are just less subtle or were less subtle and as you say i think it's certainly implied that most of the governments of Certainly, developing parts of South America or Central America yeah. are, it, if not comprised of Red Court, sort of their their members are beholden to the Red Court. Yeah, but I think that fits thematically, right? If you look at Northern American politics, the the, the massive power plays that happen there are very subtle. Whereas in South America, yeah. you know, it's coup this, coup that. Exactly. You know, it really fits in that it's sort of. It's in line yeah, it's, with the it's, white it's red courts. Pl pl playing, playing the field in front of you. Yeah. Absolutely. But then equally, the red court owns, I mean, Harry Dresden's office, for example. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. Their reach they're, extends quite far, you know. They're a big deal, certainly. But I think, generally speaking, they exercise a slightly different kind of power. They also seem yeah. to be the largest of the courts. If Chichen Itza is anything to go by... It's really hard to put numbers on the White Court, though, isn't it? Because it, it, you're right, it does seem to be those three families, but... Well, the White Court all fits in the deeps, as far as we know. Is that all of them, though, you think? I don't I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's only the sort of high nobility or, or Because that, 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 that would also then suggest that essentially all of them are dead, except for... That's true. We're not meant, to, not meant to think that... Um, but you're Maybe right, a lot, a lot of their high nobility fits in there. And there are, what, seven lords of our tonight? No. Uh, I thought it was 12. 12, yeah, that sounds more, more appropriate, which is already more than any white court nobles we've we've met. Yeah, I mean, we know that there are three high nobles of the of the white court. So that would be the white king. So Papa Wraith, Lord Scarvis and Lady Malvora. Yeah. Now Lord, Lord Scarvis and Lady uh, Malvora are both dead. Yeah. Both very dead. So it's only um, the white king, Papa Wraith left. In comparison, yes, the uh, the Lords of Outer Night. I cannot find how many there are. Twelve 13. rings, thirteen. Th yeah, twelve Lords of Outer Night in the in the Red King, right? 
No, I think there were 13 Lords of Outer Night and the Red King. Ah, okay, so 14 in total. No, there will be a dozen Lords up there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it, it, the, the article changes. The article changes. Either 12 plus the Red King? Or... 13 seems like an appropriate number for yeah. the Red Court to have gone for. Yes. No, I think... And, 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 I mean, the Lords of Outer Night were very scary. Um, incredibly... Yes. Powerful they're... wills. <laughs> they're described as equivalent in power to Vadaran, right? So this is where the red court gets weird when compared to the black or white courts, I think. There's no one in the white court, even remotely on the power tier of the Lords of Outer Night or the Red King. <sighs> Well, Papa Wraith is, is such a weird exception. No, but uh, parking Papa Wraith because he seems to be protected by an outsider or something. If you look at the other high nobility, so Scarlet yeah, and right, Malvora, right. they're powerful white court vampires. They're not seven foot tall pseudo deities yeah. who can go toe to toe with Vadaron. See, but I don't, I don't buy that. No, I'm not saying that they actually are pseudo deities. I'm saying that Vadarung himself says that. And no, Vadarung like, himself says if he were to go to their seat of power, they would almost be on par with him. But he's talking on an individual level. He's not talking about all thirteen mm, of them together. Is he? I, just, I think I he's just, just talking the, about. Okay, yeah. If you've got the, um, I'll find it again. If you've got the thing, because it, it, it to me that was always like, oh, if I go there, you know, I'll have a bit of a hard time. Uh, what does he say? Because what I... Well, you, you can... If you have the quote handy, you can go first. But uh, Where's it gone? You haven't it's... got it handy. <laughs> wow, no prep for the episode. Shocking. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I'd say you shut up and let you talk, but you're not talking. No, this is really bad. I just read it. Vadaron says... Content. <laughs> Their power is on a par with Donner Vadarung's, and even if he, even if waned from its height, it's more than mortal can face in a challenge. Um, I can't find the "We stand here at my at center of my power" on Midgard quote, which is the one that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. that's still that's still ambiguous, though. Their power is that them collectively or individually? It's unclear. It's very, very unclear. So, 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 so essentially, my, my counter to all ah, that is... I have it here, I have it here. Okay, you got it. Dona Vadarung, referring to the Lords of Outer Night. It is within my capabilities to kill you, young wizard, Vadarung said quietly. I could wish you dead, especially here at the centre of my power on Midgard. He got up, came around the desk, and offered me his hand. I took it. He pulled me to my feet, steady as a rock. You will be at the centre of their power. There will be a dozen of them, each nearly as strong as I am. Each nearly as strong. Yeah, see, the problem there is that Leah waltzes in and like just magics a few of them almost to death. Yeah, there's something weird about. I think so. Either Leah is way stronger than any of us would perhaps suggest, I, or she's like impervious is... to to their powers, yeah. or she's just a better wizard because ultimately, she, you know. <laughs> in a I, magical duel, maybe the mm, red court. I think exactly Vadarung might be overstating their power slightly. 
because he needs to set Harry up. Because Vadarong can see the future, everything that Vadarong says needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. Because by saying true. things, he changes the future and he knows what's got. He knows how to change the future. If you, it's it's the curse of prescience. Yes, it's the curse well. of prescience. Yeah, um, I'm going to skip over that stupid statement. Um, but th- so you have to. Take I, I what, am Don Vaderung. You have to take what Vaderung says with a pinch of salt. No, I think you're right. There's an element of he 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 wants to get Harry there, and by telling him that they're scary as fuck, that's by telling them easiest yeah. way to get him there. <laughs> yeah, because you know he's he's going to go and rescue his little girl. All that said. There is no one in the in the white court on their level, and I think the only person on the in the black court vaguely on their level that we see is Dracul himself, and he's not actually a member of the black court. Uh, you're just going to keep on being correct that about this downstream, yes, aren't you? So look, that's a that's a word of Jim, isn't it? Uh, may well be. It's yeah. also just objectively true. I rest my case. <laughs> um. Anyway, you only ever use word of gym if it, if it works in FAO. Anyway, no, I think still, if if it came down to who would I most want to meet down a down a dark alley, if I had to meet a vampire, I think it would be Redcourt. Sure, if it's a load, if it's a load of Atonite, Lord of Atonite, I'm screwed. But yeah, or even like an Ortega like <laughs> figure, like a, a war leader, a noble. But you're av- you're right, your average red court chump vampire. But even like an Ortega, because it, it, it's always described that if you hit them in the belly, essentially, drain them of their, their juice, quite literally, they will suffer. And I think that's as true as, of an Ortega as it is of a, of a, of a chump. Now, obviously, it's going to be very hard to hit an Ortega. Yeah. But I... that's, that's still... That's like one lucky shot, right? Whereas black court, no chance. And white court, you have to just hit them a lot. Yeah, you have to hit them until their energy reserves are depleted. But because their energy reserves, the yeah. only way to deplete them is to drain, is to like force them to use them. Whereas, as you say, you can basically stick a tap on a, on a red court vampire's belly. And the white court seem faster. I think the I think this is another one of those. They are when they need to be. Yeah, I guess not all the time, but but the red court. I mean, that they're, they're strong, but they're, they're never really described as all that quick. I suppose. I think Bianca is Bianca is quick in Stormfront when she goes for Harry. Yeah, and actually, even the Susan and um, what's his face, Martin, Martin. They're they're both very fast, and they're only half red court. Yeah. So I think they are fast. I think they're not black court fast. I don't think they're blinking. You're already in three pieces fast, but I think they are. They 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 are supernaturally fast. I think. Yeah. But all of this is rather moot, really. This discussion about the red court, isn't it? Uh, well, because they're all fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, but are they all fucking dead? Well, apart from maybe two or three. Well, I guess the question is if, well, does the eventual the, the the possibility of someone having been turned just on the cusp and someone having escaped the the curse? Yes, you know, for for those listening who don't know, one of the major events in Dresden Files thus far has been the complete and utter eradication of the Red Court by Harry Dresden. 
because they kidnapped his little girl and good on him. Um, so they are, as far as we know, all dead. The exceptions that you're alluding to, I think, would be the Ebes, right? I'm alluding to the Ebes, yes. So they were, because they were deep in the never-never, the implication has been that they could have survived. Mm, see, I really don't buy that. I, in fact, think they predeceased their Red Court brethren by quite a margin. You think the Earl King killed them? Oh, 100%. But they, they definitely, the Earl King, they're under... No, 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 because they lose no, the duel. they're not under Gastrite. Right, they lose they? the duel, and the, the loser of the duel was was going to be killed by the various goblins that were there. That was like the whole point of the, the you know, Bloodsport. You're, you're right, you're right. I'm just wondering whether they were kept alive for a bit first. I mean, it's, it's possible, it's possible, but I strongly suspect that they would have just had some fun with them. I mean, the way the Owl King describes what, what they were going to do to the, the losers was... Not good. Quite scary. <laughs> Yeah, he's not a good guy. But okay, so the <laughs> Ebes are probably isn't. dead. There could have been other black, uh, other red court somewhere in in the Never Never, but that yeah, that's true. And we don't but know that, if, if don't the thing know. extended to the Never Never. That's that's very true. But I mean, they're they're certainly going to be the least numerous by by now, yeah, a long margin. Uh, and actually, the black court are looking scary and scary. I mean, in in battleground when. We have how many of them are there? Like four, five, five or six? Yeah. Along with Dracul, who is plus Dracul, you know, the next level scary. Mm-hmm. And they've taken two, maybe three, warden <laughs> level wizards. <laughs> well, wardens. I think you can just call them. Are you suggesting uh, Chandler is? Um... Chilling with the black court. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm suggesting about Chandler. My point is, we we know that Yoshimo, Wild Bill, and Chandler didn't walk away from that fight. Um, what happened to Chandler is unclear, but he could just be waiting in Dracul's castle. Yeah, I mean, for, for certain, Yoshimo and Wild Bill were taken away by yes by them, and and it was scary to see because because they were. Maybe not all Blackwood elders. I actually don't know if any of them were Blackwood elders, but they were certainly very high-ranking members. Mavra, Mavra is appears to be subservient to all the others, which is, I think, leaning towards the suggestion. Yeah, and she on her own was like super elders, sh- like, yeah, scary as fuck. Um, and yeah, I mean the the wardens, and this was was quite a, an experienced warden hit squad, and they it's the, just it's, got absolutely yeah. wrecked. It's it's. It gets described by Harry as some of the most combat experienced wizards left. I think. Yeah, although I, I do still think they Nordic, very the, the, the Nordic Warden. I think he's still going. I don't quite remember. He's the he leads the squad that comes to Demon Reach when Madeline is there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's like he's like Mai's personal who, who guard. Protects Mai, yeah. Um, yeah. And he seems to have like a a, a second, you know, Harry tier squad. Well, I mean that fight on the island. It, that's that's really, I think, the first time where we see wardens cut loose, and it's it's quite something. Yes, <laughs> like they are is. unbelievably scary individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, a few of them died in that fight just because of sheer numbers, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, Harry, Yoshimo, Wild Bill, and Chandler just got easily taken out. 
Yes. And, and Carlos, I mean. And Carlos. Mustn't forget about him. So, I think there probably, you're right, there probably is a concern around the black court in that they seem to be able to re- replenish their numbers so quickly and each of them is so individually powerful that they're moving to fill a existential threat space previously occupied by the Red Court. Meanwhile, the White Court is just slowly solidifying power across the Western world. And while you have people like Ebenezer saying vampires can't be trusted, they do look like the smallest of the threats because they join the fight at Battlegrounds, for example, um... Harry and Carlos have both allied themselves with the White Court from time to time, so they're they're in a way getting away with it. Uh, one might say they're killing their enemies with kindness. Yes, you could say that. Um, no, the really scary thing about the Black Court, I think, is that I mean they show up in Chicago in numbers. And are completely unfazed by the events that are actually going on. They clearly yeah. have, they have their own agenda. Uh, they also have the word of Kemler. They do. Uh, Mavra has the word. Yeah, well, one, one assumes that Dracul. Which has means it. Dracul has the word if he needs it. Yeah, and this is why Dracul is such an odd one. You know, if, if he generally isn't a Black Court elder, he still seems to be completely in charge of the Black Court. <laughs> Well, I think he's meant to have created them. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 true. But he, but he's he, yeah. Who knows what the heck he, he is? Yeah, he's referred to, I think, by Mavra as the master, like the o the OG vamp, maybe. M- maybe, may- maybe he is a not an uncourted vampire. Um. Like a true Stoker-esque. Because he's a signatory of the Accords, isn't he? He is a signatory of the Accords. That's absolutely Whereas the, right. the Black Court isn't, obviously. <laughs> I, think, I think he is a freeholding lord. A yeah. bit like uh, Marcon is. Marcon, yeah. Um, That's really interesting. It actually brings me up to, to, to one thing I was wondering. So it's so two questions for you. Who, which, which court do you think is the sort of oldest and has been around the longest? And do you think they're all related in some way? Uh, those are two very good questions. Um, I think that the... I need to get things straight in my head. I think the White Court is probably the oldest. Oh, interesting. Because they their business is conducted in ancient Etruscan. Which yeah, probably, that goes back a long way. Which probably means they pre- date the founding of Rome I think by contrast the Red Court I think are meant to be so it's their Chichen Itza which is Mayan I think Mayan yeah I don't I'm, I could be wrong but I don't think the Mayan civilization predates ancient Etruscan civilization, but I'm not sure. It's what I think it's one of those two. Though uh, so I don't think it's the Black Court. So the Mayans were right around. 
I mean, their, their gold near was supposedly around 250 uh, CE. Okay, so they're pretty much contemporaneous with... like the, so Their founding is likely contemporaneous with civilization in the Mediterranean. Well, no, because the Etruscans, you see, are um, 6th century BC, so... Sure, but if the Mayan Golden Age was 250... Yeah, so, so maybe they, contemporaneous. Maybe. Which, which I, then, interestingly, could, could suggest that there's a relation there. Do maybe. I think they're all connected? I don't know. I don't know. And Dracul... They, yeah, Dracul's such a weird... But where do you think he's from, then, as well? I don't... I, th- I, th- I think Dracul... I maintain that I think Dracul is a starborn from a previous cycle. You, th- you think he's a wizard? No, starborn th- wizard. I, I think I don't think he's a. He might he might be a starborn wizard, but I think he's something else as well. And for all he's, we know, is he's doing a Merlin and just traveling around time like a, a maniac. I think I think someone I can't remember who someone described him as being like a demon trapped in a human body. Oh, interesting. Or, Starborn demon, or a, or a scion, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think we we don't really know enough to to. But so Dracul could be a demon trapped in a Starborn's body from like the first cycle, so like the Merlin cycle, basically. Um, mm. and be the progenitor of. All three, or indeed four, vampire courts, as well. If you imagine, he sort of carved off three or four different aspects of his vampirism into these three, three or four cult uh, courts. So the black court took his took the raw power that he got. The the red court took some of the mysticism, and the white court took his sort of um, ability to mind screw with people. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure I like that so much. I don't think I like it it either. I know I don't don't think I like it either. I don't think it's a particularly good theory. It's quite half-baked is is the problem, I think. Yeah, especially because we... he, He seems so... He seems so black court. You know, he seems to be... On nobody else's radar. Yeah, that's true. But he also, in a really weird way, seems so human. Yeah, it'd be interesting because I guess Harry hasn't actually debriefed with anyone about you know running into Dracul. No, I want to. Yeah, I want to hear him talk to Eb or the Merlin or Mab or Mab. Yeah, Um, or Lara. Actually, Lara could be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Anyway. Back to my question from right at the top of the episode. What are, what are your what are your vampire killing tools? What are you taking with you? Well, my faith probably isn't isn't going to be one of them. It's a really tough question. I don't know. I, I think I would have to just try and find myself a a sword of the faith <laughs> and and hope that it turns into a lightsaber. <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess I'd be in a similar boat as Waldo, you know, because I don't think he's a particularly religious man. Yeah, no, right? your, your faith is in 
people in, at that point. The faith is in people, and I guess, which is which is such a weird paradox, almost. I guess my faith is in in science and the fact that things are what they are, and so you know, if you're faced with a vampire and you think, well, faith works against them, therefore something works against them, and I can emulate that something because it is real. <laughs> I don't know how I would emulate that, but, yeah. but I, you know, the, the fact that it can happen means you should be able to make it I must it be able to reverse engineer this thing that I know exists. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Exactly. What would, what would be your favourite approach? I mean, ultimately, I'm just going to die. Let's oh, yeah, just be no, very I'm clear dead. about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very, very dead man. Um, Unless it's Lara, in which case, you know, I'm there for you. Be less desperate. <laughs> Never. Sorry, that was really harsh. <laughs> um, what am I taking? With... I don't know. I think I have a an odd faith in like the law and and things like that. So I'm probably taking something truly awful, like the statue of blind justice above. Uh, sitting above the the Royal Courts of Justice in London or something like that, which is going to be a bitch to lug around with me. <laughs> it does have a sword, doesn't it? It does have a sword, so push comes to shove, I can like... Just stick him with the pointy stick, end. Stick him with the pointy end of a statue. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm dead. Gosh, I'm, I'm aren't, aren't dead. we boring? We both just revert to our careers to save us. <laughs> and for all uh, I know, I could just bring a few viruses and hope for the best. That's concerning. I could, have I could some just, COVID. I could just hit them with a copy of Lord of the Rings. That could be quite fun. I I think that that's sacrilege. Probably that is like slapping them with the Bible, which even even Michael wouldn't do. Yeah, no, Michael gets Bible dirty. Exactly. I think I could I could just carry Michael Carpenter around with me. He could, that I mean I yeah I will help. He you can carry be my Michael face. Around. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> I mean, for, for many reasons, because I think I'd, I'd just love to spend some time with him. I think I'd quite like Michael Carpenter to carry me around, to be honest. And that also seems the right way around, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, anyway. he's not described as necessarily all that tall, but I think he is significantly stronger than either one of us. Uh, I think that's likely. I think that's likely. I, I think that's everything. Yeah, that we there have. we have it. So... We're scared of the black court and the white court, and no, not so much the red court. <laughs> individually black court, on a societal level, white court, but also on an individual level, white court scary, and on a societal level, black court scary, red court chumps. I mean, well done, Jim Butcher, for for taking the same base sort of creature and, and mm. giving it such different spins. That it's really a very impressive. unique personality and character. It's really impressive. Really well done. And it's given us an hour plus worth of content, so there you are. Yeah. Um, but I think before we wrap up, we, we probably have a little bit of an announcement. Yeah, we have a small announcement. Um, this will be the last episode of Expertise is Overrated for a short while. Uh, I'm moving house, and also uh, we are having a baby and as such, we I, we not including me. We not no sorry. Viv, Viv and I are not having a baby. Our <laughs> Very much not. Our application <laughs> to adopt was refused, and the police had to come round and talk to us uh, individually. Which is why we're recording this uh, over a Zencaster. <laughs> we're, 
for some reason, we've been given restraining orders against each other. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. I think this might be unprecedented. But no. Um, well, this just got weird, didn't it? It's got really weird really quickly, and I apologise. Reverse, reverse. Um, yeah, so I'm moving house, and uh, my wife and I are having a baby. So I just don't know when I'm going to be able to record more of these episodes. We will keep recording, though, as and when we have spare time to record an hour of content here and there. It, they don't take very long to record, so it, we should be able to keep putting out content probably on on a monthly basis going forward. But for a while, at least a couple of months, at least they'll be quite ad hoc. So just keep an eye on your, um, on your podcast feeds, I guess. Yeah. And, make sure uh, to follow. So follow you, us uh, on Twitter. Always know. Follow us on Twitter as well. And also on, on, on Podbean and, the various... and on Podbean and, and join our discord if you want regular updates on on content we'll st- we'll start posting in there when we're thinking we're going to sit down and record an episode and stuff so people can see that it's coming yeah i mean let's be honest um it's just going to be the copious amounts of research that we put into the episodes is going to suffer um yeah which yeah, will almost true. certainly not be noticeable that's true <laughs> i won't have time to go traipsing through games workshops annual accounts again which is probably a good news to everyone you you say that you're going on one long holiday <sighs> Um, I'm just I'm just gonna skate that. over the fact that having a baby's probably a lot of hard work. Yeah. So um, I've been told. I, I I found it within myself to forgive you for this. Um I'm sure the listeners can too. Very magnanimous of you. <laughs> no, I mean I'm sure the listeners will join me in, in, in wishing you all the very best. I think it is relatively soon. Uh, I hope you're ready. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you can expect absolutely no support from me. So excellent. Yeah. Good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> um, and at this point, all I can say is thank you so very much for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know. Rate the podcast and and leave us a comment or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com or come join us in our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. If you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. In our next episode, whenever we manage to put out our next episode... We will be returning to Arda, discussing the mysterious Tom Bombadil and his good lady wife, Goldberry. Join us then for more nonsense.